Hello there. I am Charles Soule, and this is Spark of Rebellion. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Spark of Rebellion, the weekly Star Wars podcast brought to you from a galaxy far, far away. I'm your host today, Mr. Mark Asquith, and joining me, as always, is the man to whom you should never tell the odds. It is the wonderful Mr. Gary Aylett. How are you doing, mate? You all right? I'm very well, thank you, dude. I love that quote. Never tell me the odds. One of my faves. Use it in everyday life. Sure. Well... Do you? Because I've never heard you use it. I've known you for a long time now, mate. Well, I think that's just because you don't listen. Mm. That's probably mm-hmm. more, right? Yeah. That's what Sam says. See, yeah. you, you hear me, don't you? But you don't listen. What does that mean? Do you want? To, do you want this? Do you want this food or not? Like what? I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. she gets me with that. Mm. I'm guilty of it, though. Same thing, dude. But mm. I do like that quote. But I'm very well. How are you? We got a good one today. We have, we have a break from the norm, you wonderful ever-so-present podcast listener. We are in the presence of greatness today. We're going to take a break from our Book of Boba Fett deep dives. We're going to pick up probably this week's episode and next week's episode on next week's Spark of Rebellion because we are joined, as I said, by greatness. We are joined by the author of Light of the Jedi, the book that kicked off the fantastic initiative that is The High Republic and of course, just the, the the creator, the writer of so many wonderful storylines across so many different universes. We are joined by the one, the only, Mr. Charles Soule. I am very, very excited for this, guys. Very excited, mate. Yeah, same. Yeah, we've spoken about him and his work for pretty much, the, well, most of our episodes. I think we reference one of his books or something to do, especially since the High Republic stuff has kicked off. So huge respect for Charles. We've got a lot of time for him. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a good chat. Can't wait. It really is. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on Charles, but get involved on Twitter. If you've got any questions for Charles, go ahead and let us know at sparkerrebellion.com slash Twitter. And welcome to Sparker Rebellion, Mr. Charles Saul. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be here. Oh, it's a real pleasure. Now, Charles, obviously, we are huge Star Wars fans. We are huge fans of your work across everything, really, that you've done. It's, it's, it's a real pleasure to to just to be able to talk to someone that creates the things that we are so passionate about. And, and obviously, I know that you are a passionate fan yourself, but... It's just a true, true pleasure. I'm Mark. I'm one of the hosts. This is Gary. He's a, we, we call each other the co-pilots in the Falcon, which is uh, obviously <laughs> sure. obviously the classic. But uh, we're very, very excited. So, Gary, I know you've been you've been sort of excited to get Charles on the show for a, a, a couple of weeks now and dig into the High Republic. But you're a bit of more of an OG fan than me, aren't you? I know you've been into this more than me, Gary. So you've probably got a little bit more history with Charles and his work. Uh, I think so, yeah. So, Charles, I've been reading your work back from the the, the early Marvel comic um, days, some mm. of the old, um, the older Poe Dameron stuff, and some of the Lando, right. and, you know, stuff like that, uh, all the way through. Um, as as Mark has, has caught up as well with the High Republic stuff and some of the other stories and whatnot, uh, I wanted to kick off um, right off the bat and ask you this question because there's a quote of yours that has kind of done the rounds. If you 
uh, do a bit of research on yourself. There's a, there's a few blogs and stuff that list out all of your books and your credits and so on. There's one quote that some people tend to use quite often, and it goes uh, like this. Uh, I have a responsibility to make this feel as epic and as notable and as real as anything that I've experienced with Star Wars. The stories that meant so much to me, this should mean as much to anybody else. Does that sound familiar? Yes, it, it sounds like my philosophy when I'm making Star Wars, so yes. Excellent, excellent. So uh, straight off the bat then, um, I assume that this is almost your mantra, if you like, your sort of go-to foundation when you're writing anything uh, to do with Star Wars. Does that apply to any um, particular type of story, whether it's a comic or a full-blown novel or just a contribution, like, you know, a, a point of view, that book? I, I, I think like all of us have experienced many, many different uh, fictional worlds from Lord of the Rings to Star Wars to, to The Matrix, you know, to you name it. And and some hit just sort of hit you differently and everybody is wired their own way and the things that really connect with with one person might not connect the same way with another person but for me since i was a very young person star wars has been the number one fictional universe for me and and part of it is the way that it is all treated like actual history like you are you are seeing elements of of a of a consistent history dipping into different characters lives at different points in their lives uh and and there are all these you know fixed points basically uh whereas say with spider-man who i love too right we've had three completely different spider-man as we as we just saw in the last film hopefully that's not a spoiler for anybody everybody in the world seems to have seen that movie by now um but you know it feels like the 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 history of the universe is fluid and can change and be rebooted and changed and adjusted uh, in both film and comics and across whatever. Star Wars is different. Uh, Lord of the Rings shares that with it. There is a there is one history. These events happened, and you are you are experiencing them as the creators of those events download them to you. Uh, and I think I felt that from a very early age with Star Wars. And so now, whenever I'm given the opportunity and the responsibility. Uh, to to tell a Star Wars story, I want it to feel the same way that they all felt to me. Um, so if I'm telling a story about Lando, this is actually something that happened in Lando Calrissian's life at any given, you know, the moment I'm telling the story about. And if you do it right, it feels like that. And I mean, it's just it's just this unique, special feeling for Star Wars that I'm I'm happy to, to try to convey. And, and it seems like occasionally succeed. There's such a legacy there, Charles. Yeah. Sorry to, to interject, Gaz. There's such a legacy there. And it, I think what fascinates me personally about Star Wars is that it does make everyone feel their own specific way. And it's the same with any, as you said, fictional universe or any, any universe. You know, we, we I, I've always related to, to the sort of the third gen characters in DC, for example, you know, the, the, the Wally West of the world, the Tim Drakes, the Kyle Rayners. And, and we all have those different experiences. But Star Wars holds such a special place for so many mm -hmm. people. And when you, as Charles, the author of this, this, this brand new initiative, you know, not just one of the group, but you being responsible for Light of the Jedi, the first book to land in this brand new initiative, to take that legacy and to, to bring that to a brand new audience, how did that feel? What, what, what did that feel like to you? Well, it, it, there, there were many phases of feeling uh, within that project. So um, for listeners who don't know, The High Republic is a, new, is, a, is a new chunk of the Star Wars timeline that's set about 200 years before The Phantom Menace. Um, it is a 
story that uh, covers an, an age that's considered a golden age of the Jedi. So the Jedi were, the Sith were not around, the Jedi had uh, were, were able to focus on building up their connection to the Force, and uh, the Republic was was very cool and, and inclusive, and, and it was just a, it was a good time. Not much war, not much conflict, people were able to focus on other things. So I, along with four other writers and people at Lucasfilm, created this era and created a huge overarching story that is being told. We're a little over a year into it now. Um, uh, it, it's a it's a big story that is being told through uh, novels, comics, young adult novels, um, short fiction, just all kinds of different print media. And, and as we've been seeing, it's it's expanding now out into different um, different media as well. Um, from uh, you know, there's there's a TV show that's been announced that's going to be in the era. There's a video game that was just announced, um, and and more. So. So that's kind of explaining what the era is. My involvement with it was I was I was part of it from the very 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 first planning sessions. I was one of the uh, the architects of the whole thing, um, and and we're basically telling a story that is think of it like the Skywalker saga, but set about 200 years earlier, and there are no Skywalkers in it. And so we we built that story from the ground up, and I was given the you know again I, the opportunity and the responsibility and, and the privilege in this case of of writing the very first thing that anyone would see of the high republic which was a novel called light of the jedi so my initial thinking about this whole thing back when it was called project luminous it actually even had there's even an earlier name for for what we called it uh that is that i think will probably never be made public it, it's not like obscene or anything like that it's just what we called it amongst ourselves but but when you guys heard about it it started being called project luminous and my first thinking about all this was was holy, holy God! You know what an opportunity to be asked to to do this from a completely blue sky level. It was like we didn't when we started, we didn't know it was going to be 200 years before Phantom Menace. It could have been literally anywhere in the Star Wars timeline. And and the five of us met up at Skywalker Ranch back in I want to say 2019, probably uh, fall 2019, and then we we just started building this thing and and there were no restrictions and we landed on the high republic uh for many reasons but um as it as it went along as this development process went along it it became clear that i was going to get the job of writing of introducing everybody in in the world literally to this initiative so at first i was thrilled because what an honor what a what an opportunity what a what a chance to get you know my my words out there to the world in a really big way um, but then you start thinking about the responsibility immediately. Like that was, that was a, like a half a second flip from like, wow, that's amazing. I'm going to do this to, oh no, I have to do this. And, but never really in a bad way. Like I'm, I'm somebody who from my earliest comics writing, you know, high profile comic stuff, like I, one of, one of my earliest comics was a book called death of Wolverine when they, when they had Marvel had me kill Wolverine. And I, I had almost no comics big to marvel dc comics pedigree at that point and it was it was a this huge triple a project that i knew was either going to make or break me and i just decided to absolutely give everything i had to it and uh and figured if it worked out then i would have a career that would go for many years and if it didn't work out at least i had tried my absolute best and so that's how i felt about light of the jedi as well that i needed to i couldn't i wasn't going to half-ass it i was going to put everything i had into it um and and then I just started thinking about what I would want if I were being introduced to this era and how I would want to see it and the things I'd want to see. And so you approach it a little bit from that eight-year-old kid perspective of, you know, what are the things I want to see Jedi doing? What have I always wanted to see Jedi doing? Um, but also, really importantly for me, I needed to make sure this was not just a book about Jedi, like 
you know, doing cool stuff with lightsabers. It needed to say, it needed to describe this era and why it felt different, not just for the Jedi, but for everybody who lived there. Because Star Wars is a story that, you know, there aren't real, other than the prequels, there aren't really that many Jedi around. Jedi, the shadow of the Jedi, or rather the light, I guess, of the Jedi, um, sort of can be seen by everybody, but there aren't really that many of them around. And so Star Wars at its heart is a story about regular people who do not have access to the Force and space wizard powers. Um, and so for me, it was very, very important that Light of the Jedi had those hero moments for Jedi, but also was deeply connected to the way other people in the universe and the Star Wars galaxy at that time lived and, and breathed. So anyway, that was a long answer, but I, I hope it was interesting. No, no, that's... Uh... That's uh, an amazing answer, and um, I want to stick with Light of the Jedi, uh, if we may, just for a minute. But we'll get on to um, some other details and, and some of the, uh, the other bits you're working on in a bit. But um, that that very first chapter, that opening of um, Light of the Jedi, was kind of interesting because when we've seen previous, especially the movies, Star Wars movies, and any of the animated shows, whenever you kick off something new, you typically, or well, they have typically, focused on let's look immediately at a character. Let's look immediately at something that you can latch onto and, and, and connect with throughout the rest of the story. But with your, with light of the Jedi, there was no, like you said, there was a bit of a focus on the, the ordinary galaxy person who mm -hmm. isn't a space wizard. Um, it was more like, well, let's take something that we've seen and potentially have taken for granted throughout star Wars, which is the hyperspace lanes and hyperspace. Normally we've seen people just flick a switch in a, in a, in a ship and off they go and, and that's done but you created this whole sort of thing around making it vulnerable and making it more of a story um point to anchor onto um what was the uh, what where did you get the seed i guess to create the story based on that rather than let's immediately visit a jedi or you know a, a character i think the well you, you kind of hit it on the head right first it was something that we hadn't really seen done before there were occasional little touches here and there of you know the empire had a had a device that could that could yank people out of hyperspace and like there's little things that could be done but but what i wanted to do was to create a situation where everyone in the galaxy immediately had to everyone you know no matter where they were had to sit up and be like oh no you know what what are we going to do how are we this is a problem that affects all of us at exactly the same time and more or less exactly the same way and i came up with that idea well before the book was released in January of 2020. Um, sorry, January 2021. But I was writing it during 2020. And as I'm sure you guys remember, in most of 2020, there was an event that affected all of us that was, you know, universal and it's across the entire planet. Um, Earth, I'm talking about Earth in this case, and I'm talking about the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, and and so as as the book took shape for me, it really became clear that 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 was what was going to define this era. That the phrase uh, "We are all the Republic," which is said by many characters of many different places and many different stations in life in Light of the Jedi and and the other projects too, um, I think has become kind of a, a a mantra for this era for a reason because it's there are universal effects and universal things that happen to all of us, good and bad, and. The idea that we are all sort of isolated islands that that can make choices on our own without affecting other people is not that's not the way it is. And if if the last two years have taught us anything, it's it's absolutely that. And so, I think partly that's why this book resonated as well as it did with people because it it presents an I a counter to the sort of the 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 real world narrative we're seeing all the time, which is that people are selfish and they're not helping each other, and they're not pulling together, and that is not actually the way that I think. 
I think there are people who have been like that, you know, and those people get the headlines. But in the real world, I've seen a lot of people, you know, I don't know how it's like over there where you guys are, but I'm, you know, I'm in New York City a lot and people here wear masks and they take care of each other and they like, you know, it's, it's been, it's been kind of inspiring to see. So, um, anyway, hyperspace seemed like a way to, to have a universally affecting disaster or, or trauma that could, that could hit everybody in the galaxy at the same time, whether you're a Jedi or you're a, you know, a dirt farmer on whatever planet. We, we really cool. loved the, the, the idea of, of bringing that hyperspace right to the front of it and, and making something, just making something vulnerable that, that we felt was safe. And I, I, I never considered it through that lens. I think that's, that's really fascinating to actually hear you sort of get behind the scenes of that a little bit. And sort of skipping back to, I guess, you know, childhood, we, we do, I suppose, a lot of our favourite Star Wars moments are around the Jedi, they're around the lightsabers and the philosophy of the force and the, the physical actions of the force being responsible as part of obviously the group, but also as someone that's got to bring light to the Jedi, to the, to the, to, to the masses. What challenges did you face when it came to actually representing the Jedi? You know, the Jedi that we've seen in the prequels and the originals and, and obviously the sequel trilogy, what challenges were there in, in, in sort of keeping them fresh, but also keeping them familiar? Yeah, I mean, one thing about writing Jedi is that they can they can seem because they're all they're all raised in the same basic dogma, and I, I don't say dogma in a way that is is negative. It's just they they all kind of are raised in with a set of tenets and philosophies that are that are on purpose need to be kind of uh, universal across the order, and and so when you're writing them, they they can sort of seem a little samey. These are people who can lift things and are great with lightsabers. It can jump and, 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 you know, believe in the connection between all living things. And those are all wonderful things. But I knew from the beginning that if I was going to have characters that connected with people, they needed to be, uh, you needed to be able to understand them as unique individuals. And so that's why you get so many point of view, uh, chapters in light of the Jedi from their points of view. It's also why I came up with that idea, which has been, a lot of people have talked about it since the book came out, and it's it's a, another element that has been seen in other High Republic projects, but the idea that every Jedi has their own way of visualizing and understanding their connection to the Force. So Avar Chris, who is the first Jedi we meet in Light of the Jedi, um, visualizes the Force as like a, a huge song, an orchestral, uh, zillion-instrumented, uh, hugely beautiful, but, but like assonant and dissonant, like all, you know, it's, it's just an incredibly complex song, and that's how she connects to it. Um, another character, Elzar Mann, who is is prominent in the initiative, uh, sees it as an ocean. And so as, you know, oceans are filled with everything and every part of an ocean touches every other part of an ocean. It's all connected, filled with many, many different creatures. And at the top, it's very light. And at the bottom, it's very dark. And so there you go. And, and there's a Wookiee Jedi who sees it as a forest and so on and so forth. And so that immediately started to distinguish these people as people, as opposed to just people who wear fancy robes and have laser swords. And... Um, there's a, there's just a, a, I don't even know if it's a technique. It's like, it just, it is the job when you're writing a story to, you need plot and characters and, and plot is, especially with something that has as many moving pieces as Star Wars does, especially as with something that had as many moving pieces as Light of the Jedi did, because that book needed to be a kick-ass story in and of itself. It, that was the beginning and end. That book needed to just be a barn burner start to finish, needed to be amazing. It also needed to introduce the 
the era to readers and and have a like a bunch of new characters and like and convey all of these concepts from a drift of vectors to the nile to you know the the nile's weird organizational structure to all of these all of these concepts had need to be introduced and clear and and connect with the readers they all had to be good and then on top of that um it all had to fit in with existing star wars continuity so so you had to it had all of those jobs at the same time um it needed to to hopefully sell a lot and be just a, an experience that was all but like these were my the things I was shooting for right I wanted a, a book that was going to be for every Star Wars fan for every person who had never encountered Star Wars before and and was as as across the this is an American metaphor but and as across the plate home run as you could get that's what I was trying to do because nothing else would have sort of lived up to what it needed to be this was this was the linchpin project for years and years of publishing you know dozens of of books um like it it had to be everything and so when i had a lot of those other pieces in place you know like i knew what the now were going to be i knew what the organizational structure is going to be all that stuff i'm like okay none of it really matters if the characters aren't can't be connected with and so that is why you get the first chapter with Hedda Cassett. That is why you get the second chapter with Mervyn Getter and these characters who are incredibly relate. I think anyway, incredibly easy to connect with, incredibly relatable. You understand exactly who they are and what they're trying to do. You, you go, you dial it way, way in on those individual people and then you pull it way, way back to, to give you a sense of the galaxy, galaxy and the scope that you're dealing with. Um, and and the Jedi and their connections to the Force to me seem like a way to allow people to distinguish them and make them very relatable. And did you did you relish the idea of of creating a, a whole a whole new um, a collection of characters as a Jedi for a new generation? Because growing up as Star Wars fans, we've had pretty much the same the same go around with the same characters for many many movies and very story uh, stories and video games and etc. So yeah. was it really um, cool to, to something to get your your teeth into? Yes, <laughs> uh, absolutely, it was. I mean, that's that's one of the things that I think was really appealing to all of us—the idea that we could make characters and um, and in particular, there's one element of this that 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 alludes to something you just mentioned, which is so. Let's take Luke Skywalker. Okay, we have seen Luke Skywalker literally from the moment of his birth to the moment of his death. We have seen Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader, from the moment he was a very nine years old to the moment of his death. We have seen Han Solo from when he was sixteen to the moment of his death. We, you know. Leia, right? Birth to death. Like all of all of these characters, Ben Solo, whatever, there's lots of them. And and we have seen these characters be born and die and many, many, many significant moments in their lives in between. And so we know their stories to a degree that it is very unusual with fictional characters. You know, if if you talk about James Bond. Uh, you know, you, you, you have a sense of that character, but you're always seeing that character in kind of a particular chunk of their life. You don't see them as, you don't get the biography, the full narrative biography of, of these characters, whether you do in Star Wars. And so while that is a beautiful thing that we all, that is partly why we all connect to Luke and Leia and, and many of them the way that we do, because they are real human beings who have lives that we see the entirety of. Whereas in the High Republic, um, we haven't seen that much of these people. And some of those things are starting to be filled in a little bit, but by and large, compared with, say, Luke Skywalker, we know essentially nothing about Avar Chris, and we know essentially nothing about Mark and Rowe, although some of that's start starting to be filled in too. Um, 
And that is an extraordinary opportunity because it means that there are beats we can play for them uh, that have never been like nobody knows until until very recently. Nobody had any idea about Mark Henry's people or his past. Um, I just had a comic come out that explored those ideas, which was amazing to be able to to surprise people. Um, and so that that is is for me as a writer, that's probably the main reason it's cool to be able to do this. So it's it's not just it's neat to make up new Jedi who have can use the force in interesting ways, although that is super cool. It's more the fact that as a storyteller, you don't know the whole story this time, which is a very wonderful opportunity. You mentioned Maki and Ro there, Charles, and, and 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 what a fascinating character coming certainly coming from someone I think I read this on your on your your Star Wars bio actually from someone whose favorite character is of course Sheev Palpatine to, uh-huh. to have that orchestrator to have someone that is clearly pulling a lot of strings in a lot of different places mm-hmm. and running such a running such a complex organization tell us a little bit about market but also the, the nihil as well like what was their conception how did how did you arrive at, at, at what you ended up with with those so i wanted something with markian and with the nile that would stand toe to toe but be very distinct from the great galactic empire the first order palpatine vader maul all of these characters that we've seen before and the the difference between the Nile and say the Empire is that the Empire is a is a very very tightly controlled regimented organization that is you know has bureaucracy and has all of these things that are that are designed to keep it functioning as a galactic empire and whereas the Nile are sex they're they're just chaos agents right there is some structure because it's you can't really do anything if it's complete anarchy so but but the structure is 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 loose and it's and it's all based on kind of supremacy and and uh you know it's it's as little structure as you can get away with basically so um and and the thing that's interesting about them from mark and rose perspective is that he he sees them as utterly they are they are a tool just like everything he encounters is a tool to him and the nile are useful but he doesn't have any particular affinity with them but at the same time they he he doesn't he wants them to feel that they're they're important to him and so he is he's almost more of a he's kind of a cult leader in a way uh, he becomes a cult leader as we see in some of the stories uh because it's useful you know like if you have fervent believers who believe they're part of something bigger like he's just he's an expert at using people's expectations and fears and hopes to to have them do what he wants them to do while they think they're doing things for themselves and he does it with Everybody, everybody he encounters is is just a, a tool to him. And there is a um, a bit in Light of the Jedi when he's speaking to Loden, Loden Greatstorm, and he's like, you want me to tell you my big plan? I don't have a big plan. That's not how I operate. I have a goal. And I just make choices that move me toward that goal. And sometimes they're big swings and sometimes this I'm paraphrasing, right? But sometimes they're big, sometimes they're little, but every choice I make is moving me toward the goal that I want to have. And as we see, well, actually you haven't seen it yet. I was, I just did the, I just did the lettering pass on I, the storm number two, but there's a bit toward the end of that issue where he explains his philosophy and what he's doing and why in even more detail. And, and I think it's very telling. Um, and it's very, it's very frightening. Like Palpatine had a had a reason for do, like he wanted to control. He wanted to be the one who, at at a macro and micro level, controlled the entire galaxy. That was what he he wanted. 
he wanted to prove that he was the best by controlling everything else. And Markian doesn't, his goal is different. It is, it ends up kind of in a similar way, but he, he doesn't, um, that's not what he's doing. He doesn't, he doesn't want to control anything unless it's just happens to be a tool that gets him what he wants. So, um, as far as inspirations for them, I mean, there are, there are, which is going to be kind of, uh, there's a, there's a direct real world inspiration for Mark and Rowe, somebody I know, um, and which is kind of a scary thing to say, but whatever. Uh, and there's a direct real world inspiration for the Nile too, which is a, a, a you know, the, it didn't come from nowhere. Let's put it that way. And, um, I, before I got into writing, I worked as an attorney and when you're an attorney, you, you encounter all kinds of different people as, as your clients, as their adversaries, all sorts of different things. And so the inspiration for the Nile came from that phase of my career. And it has been, uh, it's been nice to draw on that, that experience that I actually have to, to make these guys what, what they are. Mm, they are really, really cool. Very, very cool. Um, quote unquote baddies um, yeah. of the uh, of the High Republic here. And Mark and I spoke in depth when we first reviewed the um, the Light of the Jedi and stuff. When we spoke pretty much at length, not so much about the Jedi, and they are very cool. But the Nihil mm-hmm. are very um, really really cool baddies. But um, uh, another character um, that's had to be handled within the High Republic, and it's a wee bit of a challenge, I suppose, is. Um, is handling other kind of tentpole characters within Star Wars and incorporating them into the story. So mm-hmm. with Yoda as an example, mm-hmm. um, what was the, was there a challenge around that as in, um, cause he's kind of away on a sabbatical sort of thing at the yeah. moment, but he's also, his presence is known. Um, yeah. you know, so was that a bit of a challenge? How are you yes, handle Yoda I, and we, some of the we, other ones? We had a lot of discussions about Yoda. We had a lot of discussions about Yaddle, you know, like th- there are these, um, you know, Yoda, casts a, a, a long shadow, right? Despite his small stature. Um, and, and when you have a, a character like that, who is, who is, you know, the, the one that everybody looks to to have all the answers all the time, um, it, it, it changes the dynamic of, of the story a little bit. And so we wanted to tell a story that could be, that could just be told through a different lens. And you have to have, I mean, Yoda, 900 years old, right? So he was definitely, as we've seen, he is alive in the High Republic era. But the idea of just taking him off the table a little bit, the idea that he wasn't always running the council, like for 900 years, seemed very appealing to us because it, we really wanted to distinguish this era from, say, the prequel era and, and different moments in time uh, where, where Yoda was kind of had his hands on the reins a little bit more um, because it allowed us to tell the story of, of how the Jedi Order lives and breathes outside of Yoda. Um, so, but he, you know, obviously he's in Daniel Jose Older's um, uh, High Republic Adventures book doing amazing things there. Uh, he, he is in Light of the Jedi. His presence is very felt. Um, but I think, you know, we, we, we love Yoda. Yoda has a, has a big role to play for sure. Um, you will see more of Yoda, but he's, he's a, he's a, complicated element in the same way that say like putting Darth Vader into a story is a, is a complicated thing to do, you know, in, in Rogue One, um, which I think we all love that Vader was back in Rogue One, but if Vader had been part of that story, like all throughout, it would have felt incredibly different. It, it would have, it, it would have just changed the dynamic weight of the entire thing. Um, uh, and there are other characters who have that kind of weight into them that you need to use in a very sparing way, I think, unless the story is about them, 
right? Uh, so like we, we know um, just from, this is not me saying anything I know individually, but we know, for example, that Hayden Christensen is back as Darth Vader in the Kenobi show that's coming up. And so but that feels right because those two characters are so deeply connected in so many different ways. Um, but if you dropped Darth Vader into, say, I don't know, something something a little less connected to him it would it would be like well okay this story just all of the all of the gravity just shifted over darth vader uh and rightly so he deserves it but yoda is yoda is sort of similar and so we had to be very um sort of judicious about the way we used him wonderful i, th- I thought it was handled really interestingly and and, and uh, the time span obviously yoda's time span of, of, of 900 years was was interesting when project luminous was first announced it was very clear to a lot of people that yoda would have that presence and speaking mm-hmm. of that timing you know we're about to finish the first phase of the high republic and enter that second phase the, the quest of the jedi what can you tell us about that that's the, is it are we right in saying that's a that's a prequel it's set what is it 150 years prior to what we've seen so far um, that's correct, but I would not, I think the word prequel is, is a little loaded, um, particularly in, in Star Wars, because it, it means something in a way that it might not if you were in some other mm. fandom. Um, and so I think the way to think about phase two is to say that we are just, we are telling another story set in the High Republic that completely stands on its own. Like you don't have to know anything about phase one to to enjoy and and even jump into phase two it is a completely new jumping on point um with with characters that are are new and are doing different things and have different goals the state of the galaxy is a little bit different so on and so forth and so we um we wanted it to to be another chance for people to come in and be like hey i love you know i love star wars i've heard this thing is starting and so um, you know, Light of the Jedi, Quest of the Jedi, and then Trials of the Jedi is, the, is Phase 3, whenever that shows up. Um, I know when it shows up. I'm just not telling you guys. Uh, but but it, it it is not a prequel in the strictest sense, right? It, like, you know, the, the, pre, the Star Wars prequels, Episodes 1 through 3 in the Skywalker Saga, were designed to say, okay, this character, this is how Darth Vader went from child to cyborg monster and this is how the republic and the jedi order fell and the empire was established this is the story we're telling it is deeply and directly connected to the story you saw in episodes four through six a lot of the characters you you saw in those movies show up here and so on and so forth phase two of uh the high republic is not exactly like that i'm not going to say there aren't connections i'm not going to say that you won't see things being set up but it is it is designed to be a totally kind of jump in, enjoy it. Uh, you could you could read it in any order. You know, if you wanted to read phase two before phase one, you could. Um, which is which is again, yes, I guess you could say it's a prequel, but it's it's kind of like um, you know, you, you tell a story about the, the Cuban Missile Crisis and then you tell a story about the you know the, the American Revolution, right? Yes, they're connected, but they're not they're not the same thing. Does that make those are very American analogies I just used, but I, I hope we, <laughs> that's all right. No, that's cool. Yeah, no, we totally get you on that one. Um, um, are there any um, phase two little nuggets of info that you can tease that we might not have heard as yet? Other than I just did? Um, <laughs> well, uh, no, they, they really uh, they really get on us pretty hard about that kind of stuff. I mean, I am the, the book that was announced at the 
um, the launch uh, High Republic show where we talked about this for the first time, it was announced that I'm writing a, a book about Porter Engel, which I am very excited for. You know, Porter Engel, like Yoda, is another one of these these long lived characters. And um, I guess I just uh, you know blew up my own premise saying that Phase Two is not a direct prequel, but um, we'll get to see Porter Engel like in his prime, you know, as a as a as the young Jedi who earned the reputation that he has that we see him having in Light of the Jedi and and the rest of the Wave One or Phase One stories. So I suppose that is a bit of a it's not really prequel. Again, it's very much stands on its own. It's designed to set up set up the state of the galaxy in phase two in a way that I think is going to be really, uh, really, 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 really cool. Um, so yeah, that's that's about it. More information is going to be revealed. You know, the stories that we're telling, the the characters. I think a lot of that stuff is going to be coming out fairly soon because phase two. I think it starts in October. I think pretty sure of this of this year. So so that's that's really not that far away and. Uh, it's uh it'll be here before we know it we are super excited for that and and the legend of porter engel is something mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm fascinated for because he was built and he was positioned to be such a fascinating character his power and his prowess the way that he was introduced and the way that he he just he does what he does throughout the landscape when he say i forget the family's name but he's saving the family and you know such a yeah he's, he's clearly positioned as that you know fantastic Jedi presence. So I'm, I'm, I'm for one looking forward to that. Now, Charles, I know we want to be respectful of your time. So thank you so very much. We're very, very excited um, to just, just revel in what you're creating. We just want to send our <laughs> thanks uh, for everything that you do. It's been a real pleasure to chat to you. Well, thank you very much for having me uh, and uh, have me on again when I have a little bit more time and we'll talk about some of the other stuff we didn't get to on this call. We'd right. love to. Thank you so much. Wow, guys, I absolutely loved that. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I was a little bit nervous. You know, when you sort of you're around someone that you uh, that you respect, and you know, it's almost a bit of celeb kind of starstruckness. I was a little bit nervous, man, and that's not like me. And you know, I know you took it in your stride. You're a pro and all that, but dude, that was awesome. Mm, yeah, I think I'm saying got a little bit starstruck there, a little bit because uh, he does know he knows his stuff, dude. Like when you're talking to somebody like on that level about Star Wars, you've got to know your stuff because he'll tear you apart and we've seen him go at it we've seen him tear people to shreds <laughs> for less than that so joking but yeah is I'm, that another I'm... office quote you always get office quotes in. We always, I say you we yeah. always get office quotes I was like that when I first met you so I, I understand where you're coming from yeah, yeah definitely I, yeah. it was great though dude what a guy it really, really was, and, and and I'm so fascinated by the, the the creative process. And there was so much that we that we just couldn't ask because, I mean, we could talk to people like Charles for days at a time. We really, really could. So, listen, it's, it's a real pleasure uh, to have been able to do that. And, and Charles, thank you so much. And, and a big shout out to Tommy who helped to arrange that, who was absolutely wonderful throughout the entire process. Just a huge thank you to the team there. And yeah, guys. That's a wrap for another week. If you out there are listening and want to get involved, go ahead and do so at sparkerrebellion.com slash Twitter. And if you like what you hear and you want to get yourself some swag, you can do that as well over at Patreon. Head to sparkerrebellion.com forward slash Patreon. So until next time, dude, much love. It's been a real pleasure. And uh, yeah, see you next week, man. 
It has been a real pleasure. And I hope you, the Star Wars fan and listener, have enjoyed our chat with Charles. We will try and line up some other interviews as we go out throughout 2022. It's been a really good addition to the show as well as the whole news and reviews thing. But we'll be back on Boba Fett next week, so come back as we continue our reviews for that. And until then, please stay safe, take care of yourself, and may the Force be with you always. Always.